good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church Online. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. Uh, wonderful to have you with us as we set aside this time uh, to worship our good God, uh, to remember His promises to us, uh, our salvation in Jesus Christ. And as we let God do His work in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, uh, as we hear His Word and as He transforms us through them. So wonderful to have you with us. Uh, we'd love to know that you've been with us today. Uh, all of this, uh, all the way through January, we've been pursuing our Draw Near series, uh, a series which is about having our focus in the right place as we start a new year. And I'd love to know how God is focusing you this year, how, how he's drawing you near. Uh, we've been receiving stories uh, in the office of people uh, and what uh, they've been doing to nurture their faith this year. And uh, so we received a message from someone who said, They'd stopped reading the Bible for a while, but this was a great encouragement to start again. Uh, so praise God for uh, his work in that person's life. I'd love to know what he's doing in yours. Uh, we had a prayer meeting this week. It was wonderful to join together and to pray for our church and to pray for our nation uh, and to give all things to the sovereign God and to remember that he is in control. Uh, we'll have our next prayer meeting at the beginning of next month, uh, the first Tuesday of the month. We always have it then. Um, so we hope you can join us next month as we do that. Uh, we would love to see the gospel go out into the Napa Valley. Uh, we, that's our mission here to see Jesus made famous in the Napa Valley and beyond. And so thank you for praying for that mission. Uh, thank you for partnering in that mission. And thank you for uh, considering giving to that mission. Uh, you can find details on how to contribute financially uh, on the Give tab of our webpage. Of course, you can give online or you can send in uh, checks the old-fashioned way. Um, we need to keep funding this mission so we can continue ahead sharing Jesus and sharing the best news ever with the Napa Valley. Well, it's time to sit back and hear God's Word and to spend some time in it with Him. So, will you prepare your hearts to hear God's Word now? If I ask who the fastest man in history is, uh, you would say Jamaican sprinter Usain Bolt. Uh, in 2009, Usain Bolt set the world record for the 100 meter sprint uh, in a time of 9.58 seconds. Uh, he also holds the 200 meter world record with a time of 19.19 seconds. But do you know who the second fastest man in history is? Well, arguably Bolt's fellow countryman and training partner, Johan Blake. Blake holds the second fastest time ever for the 200 metres and he ties for the second fastest 100 metre time at 9.69 seconds. And it seems that uh, the rivalry between Bolt and Blake pushed them both to greater heights. Coming into the 2012 London Olympics, uh, Blake had beaten Bolt at the Olympic trials. He'd beaten him twice in fact, uh, both in the 100 metres and the 200 metre Olympic trials. Uh, Blake was on top and so the stage was set for a showdown at the Olympics. Well ultimately in the Olympic final Bolt and Blake are finished first and second respectively in both the 100 and the 200 meter races. Uh, Usain Bolt said this about Johan Blake. Over the years Johan has made me a better athlete. He's really pushed me 
and kept me on my toes. As we open the Bible this morning, we're going to think about the way that we can push one another, the way that we can keep one another on our toes as Christians. Because our passage today is all about how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, as it says in Hebrews 10.24. So that's our theme for today, spurring one another on. Why don't we pray and then we'll see what the Bible has to say about the topic. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to meet together today, even as we meet online. We pray that you'd speak to us today through your word, that you would encourage us, that you would spur us on, that you would teach us how to encourage one another. And we pray that you would use this time now to grow us as your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So we're into our third week now of the Draw Near series. Uh, This series is all about getting our focus right as we head into a new year about making deliberate choices to draw near to God. And we've taken our instructions from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. But I don't know if you noticed something over the last two weeks. As we've worked our way through Hebrews 10, I've mainly spoken about our personal response to the gospel. But the writer to the Hebrews is concerned not just for us as individuals, but as God's people together. These instructions are for God's people to take on together and and to work out together and to put at the centre of our church life and our fellowship together. So as I read the passage again today, I want you to notice that repeated pattern that the author uses with the phrase, let us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, and that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The writer to the Hebrews wants us, the church, to think about how we can encourage one another in the faith. And this is not a new idea in the New Testament. The New Testament is full of one another statements, all pointing out the ways that Christians should live out faith together. Because Christianity is not primarily an individualistic faith. It's not just about you and God, nor is it something to be kept private just between you and Him. Our faith in Jesus is something that changes who we are. And that means it changes the way that we live in the world as God transforms us and renews us by the power of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. And becoming a Christian means becoming part of a family, of being adopted as sons and daughters of God and being placed in the family of God's people. That's what church is. It's a a little family of God where we belong to one another, where we choose to relate to one another, where we look after one another and where we love one another. Puritan John Wesley said, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Another commentator said that selfish Christianity is a contradiction in terms. As Christians, we're made to live lives with one another and for one another. We are one another people. And that's because our God is a one another God. 
the Trinity of Father and Son and Holy Spirit. They're in eternal relationship with one another. And God has made us in that same image. We are made for relationships. I preached a sermon uh, on that last year in our Genesis series. I'll put a link to it in case you'd like to go back and listen. But big idea number one is this. The exhortation in Hebrews 10.24, it's for all of us. God wants us as a church to hear this encouragement, uh, to hear this command as something that is important for all of us to do as a fellowship. If we all do it, it makes it easier for the rest of us. I was part of a cycling group back in Australia. It started with some friends from church, but we ended up with lots of members from various backgrounds. And we rode on Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings at 5.20 a.m. That meant starting in the dark 51 weeks of the year. It meant riding in the dead of winter when temperatures were just above freezing. But there was something about not letting the team down. When my alarm went off at 5 a.m., I knew that a bunch of other men also had alarms going off, that they were also thinking about hitting snooze and pulling the covers up and staying asleep. But every time I rode up to the meeting place, there were always other men who'd chosen to put on the team kit and to turn up. And that group of men was one of the great encouragements of my life as we pushed each other on the bicycle and in our faith, as we took turns at the front and as we rode alongside those who were doing it tough. I'm not just talking about on the bicycle. Together we achieved things that few of us could have achieved on our own. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So what does love for one another look like in the church? I want to answer that question. I want to take us uh, to Colossians 3, where we find a list of ways that we can love one another a list of loving qualities that any church would aspire to. And we'll get to that list in a minute. Because the list by itself is not enough. What we really need is deep and personal transformation. The kind of transformation I spoke about a few minutes ago where God takes your life and he radically transforms you from the person you were without Christ into the person you become when your life is hidden with Christ as Paul describes us in Colossians 3.3. When we put off our old self and when we put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of the Creator, Colossians 3.9-10. You see, love comes from being transformed and reshaped and remade into the kind of people that God originally made us to be. And if that's what's happening to us on the inside, of course we expect that transformation to be visible from the outside. We expect it to bubble over. So what does love look like in practice? Well, firstly, it means that we don't look at the differences between us. We look at our status in Christ. Colossians 3.11 says this, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So the church in Colossae included people from many backgrounds, Jews who'd put their faith in Jesus, as well as many non-Jews or Gentiles, people from all kinds of backgrounds. And traditionally, Jews had separated themselves from every other race. But now Paul is telling them that there should be no religious divide between them and no socioeconomic divide, that is, not recognising some as slaves and treating them as lower in honour than those who are free. 
and no ethnic divides either. Even the barbarians and Scythians, a nomadic people from Europe and, and from the Baltic, they were known for their savagery. Even those people were to be included in the church because of the unity that we have in Christ. And for us here in the Napa Valley, the same command applies. Loving one another like Christ uh, in this church means that we won't judge one another by race. We won't judge one another by ethnicity or, or by our status in society. We won't treat some people better and some as lesser based on the world's judgments. Instead, we'll allow the love of Christ to transform the way that we see one another. We'll see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll see each other as family. And that will be especially important as we reopen our church building in a few months' time. Because God willing, we're going to be welcoming dozens and scores and, and hundreds of new brothers and sisters in Christ into our family here in the coming years. And we won't all be the same. In fact, I pray that our church will be made up from people of every tribe and nation and tongue because that's the picture of the church gathered around Jesus on the last day. Uh, no longer different tribes, but instead the chosen people of God together. That's what it says in Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. So the love of Christ will transform the way that we see one another. And the love of Christ will transform the way that we treat one another as well. We will clothe ourselves in a transformed attitude. We'll put on the new self, as Paul described it back in verse 10. In our family, we love watching movies about American football. The plot's invariably on the same theme. There's a second string quarterback who's thrust into the limelight or there's the overlooked player who works hard to become a champion, uh, or the player who perseveres through adversity until they're picked. Uh, that's invariably the, the plot line. But there's always a moment when that player is allowed to dress for the team for the first time. The uniform goes on, and then they belong to something bigger than themselves. Uh, they're part of the team, and everyone is counting on them. Well, Paul says, as the church, we've been chosen to dress for the biggest team there is. We've been invited into God's chosen people and made holy for a life of service to Him. We are dearly beloved by Him. And we're to put on that attitude, to put on an attitude that fits who we are in Christ and who we're becoming in Christ. That attitude is compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Every one of these attitudes is about the way that we treat other people. So compassion, it's about feeling it when other people are hurting. The Bible describes it as rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn, Romans 12, 15. When we love somebody deeply, it hurts us to see them hurting. Um, that's compassion. Kindness is, is about considering others, being friendly and generous and merciful. Choosing love rather than indifference and love rather than judgment. Because that's the way that God has treated us, isn't it? He's treated us with loving kindness despite our many failings. And we see that in Titus 3, 4 and Romans 2, 4, God's loving kindness when the Saviour appeared. We're to clothe ourselves in humility, just like Jesus. 
with gentleness and with patience. All of these attributes could describe Jesus, couldn't they? Because Jesus shares the same character as his Father. And by the Holy Spirit, he's sharing that character with us. He's encouraging us to put on those characteristics more and more. And this passage reminds us that alongside that internal transformation, we can make the choice to transform the outside as well. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Churches are family and families can be complicated. Relationships can be complicated. And that's the same in the church family. There's nothing new about that. The early church was just like the modern church, which is why Paul needed to write these words to a church that was probably only 10 years old. Because even though we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ, we so easily revert to the old self, to old ways and to old behaviours and to old sins. Even in the church, we sin against one another. Not intentionally, I hope. But it's just a fact of being unfinished people living in a broken world and still in need of God's forgiving and transforming grace, as Paul Tripp puts it. And the church presents an excellent opportunity to work on our godliness as we bear with one another and as we learn to forgive and to extend mercy and to work through our differences to choose love rather than holding a grudge. I think that's some of the work that God is doing in us as we come together in the church. Our commentator Raymond Brown puts it like this. The church's defects present us with an opportunity for earnest prayer, for careful thought, loving discussion, and united action to correct the deficiencies and not to run away from them. We all come to church with baggage, with wounds. Some are old and some are still fresh. And no doubt will cause new wounds in the coming months and years. Sadly, that goes with the territory. But the real question is, what will we do with those wounds? How will we deal with them when they arise? My prayer is that we deal with them with love. Paul says in verse 14, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the list of virtues above, it's a list that only works when they're done in love. As we pursue kindness and compassion and humility, well, they teach us to love the people that we're serving. They teach us to think outside of ourselves and to consider the other person. And that's how we learn to love people who are different from ourselves, by deliberately choosing to love through the attitudes that we put on like garments. And so coming back to Hebrews 10.24, the second part of the writer's exhortation was this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Well, love and good deeds go hand in hand. Some commentators have suggested that there are no good deeds without love. And I think they're right. You know, whatever good works we do as a church, they'll be a direct expression of the love that we have for others. And so what kind of good deeds is the writer to the Hebrews talking about? Uh, what kind of loving good deeds should we be spurring one another towards? Well, we don't find an answer here in Hebrews. Uh, but looking through the Old and the New Testament, we find hundreds of ways to show love and to care for one another. And perhaps that's why the writer starts with this exhortation. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. 
seems like it's our job as a church to discuss the best ways for our church community to express love. And so loving good deeds might be different here in the Napa Valley compared to an inner city church or a church in another country or a church in another age. What does loving one another practically look like here at Yonville Community Church? I'm not sure of the answer, but I look forward to the discussion and to the prayerful, thoughtful work that goes alongside it. And I look forward to many of you stepping up to volunteer as we express our love in good deeds and as we show the love of Jesus in our church and in our community. Because at the end of the day, our loving good deeds, they're an expression of God's loving good deeds in our lives. We love because we've been shown love. We love because we're being made more and more like Jesus every day. We love because it's who we are in Christ. So as we go into the year ahead, take a moment to consider how you'll spur our church on towards love and good deeds. Will it be by stopping to pray for someone? Or will it be by making a phone call to somebody you haven't seen since COVID separated us almost a year ago? Will you encourage someone with scripture or a card or, or a note in the mail? Will you compliment someone for a godly attitude or a behaviour you've noticed in them? Will you apologise for a wound you've caused or forgive someone who has wounded you? How will we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? Why don't we pray for God's help? Heavenly Father, we long to be a church that is reshaped in the image of Christ as you reshape us by your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to be filled with love, to be filled with good deeds that come out of the wellspring of the love that you've put into us are the wellspring of love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ in forgiving us of our sins and rising us to new life and bringing us into this church family. Father, help us to be characterised by that love for one another, that compassion for one another, that kindness towards one another, that concern for one another. Father, grow us in these godly attributes as you grow us in Christ. Father, we pray for everyone who walks in our door that we would be a, a welcoming church that we wouldn't look at a race or ethnicity or, or anything else, that we'd look at them as people who you love. Father, help us to embrace uh, those who come to join us. We pray uh, that you would answer our prayer and bring uh, many, dozens and scores and, and hundreds to us in the next few years. We pray that uh, you would fill this valley with the love of Christ uh, through what we're doing and through what other churches are doing. We pray that this would always bring you honour and glory, and not for our own fame, but for yours. And so we pray all of this as we go ahead into the year that you teach us to spur one another on. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Well, hasn't it been a great morning at Yonville Community Church? I pray you've been spurred on in your faith. Uh, encouraged in your faith and that you're going to go away and consider how to spur others on. Uh, one way from me uh, to, to do that would be for you to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, that will actually help us share uh, the message with more and more people. Uh, so go and subscribe to our channel, uh, hit like on the video and uh, maybe even you could share a link uh, on your Facebook or on your social media or send it on email to somebody. Uh, that would be a great way to spur me on and to encourage me. Uh, but it will also encourage 
our mission as we share the most important news that we have, uh, our salvation in Jesus. So pray you've had a good week. Um, We're praying for you. We miss you and we'll see you soon. Uh, Goodbye and God bless.